and welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan. That's Matt. Hey, Matt, I'm hardcore, but I'm not that hardcore. <laughs> Ryan, we do it different on the West Coast. That was that was what I hoped. Once I, I, to- I signaled to you that I was stealing your lyric, that was the correct answer. You have passed <laughs> the test. Uh, and if you know what we are referencing, you have passed our test because we are, um, I think, as we called our shot last week, discussing the new album Goths by the Mountain Goats. Um, and uh, longtime TFT listeners will know that the Mountain Goats are a, a favored band. I think they're maybe our first entry into the tft three timers club oh Um, that's interesting uh, well if any band deserves it the mountain goats definitely deserves it like long after this you know when this podcast like goth rock is consigned to the dustbin of history we will come back for special episodes every time john darneal uh deigns to release an album because we love the man that much and uh, his music you know is fantastic well and and to quote uh the i think a line Or to paraphrase a line, the last track on the album, um, Abandoned Flesh, right? Because the world will never know or understand the uh, the suffocated splendor of the once future TFT podcast, right? Um, um, and uh, and this is so this is an album, as I said, called Goths, and it is about Goths, as it says on the tin. Um, but it's about a lot more than that. It's 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 about uh, it's about all of the things. It's about aging. It's about authenticity. Um, it's about making art. Um, it's about death it's about life um and 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 go listen to it already um but it's yeah also- i mean i have a, I have a theory and i'll just i'll just you know dump it i'll just crap it out right here yeah, on yeah. your chest yeah yeah, yeah uh, pinch it out pinch i mean out. i think that that beat the champ was about middle age and that this <laughs> album is about death right that uh that beat the champ was about kind of the failure of the body right and the kind of the the revenge of the body when it's been kind of punished um and uh, and this this is almost more about the failure of the mind. It's about kind of senility and irrelevance and mm-hmm. uh, being, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, kind of being out of time or being past your time. Yes. Um, anyway, uh, there's a lot of like breaking through the veil, kind of bursting through the membrane, like going to the other side uh, images on in in the lyrics on this this record. And so, obviously, you know, as as befits a, a goth thing. But but we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. Well, and I think though it is, it's right. It's the, it's the, (laughs) but it is like, I mean, like oldness is interesting because it's, it's oldness in a culture or society or a scene where middle age is oldness, right? That like, if you're John Darnielle, you might as well be Leonard Cohen, right? Um, To certain segments of youth culture, right? (laughs) Um, And right, because like, we're talking about those kinds of like near death albums. I thought about think about our mortality trilogy that we uh talked about um last fall right when we talked about um lender cohen we talked about bowie's black star um and we talked about um the uh the posthumous um tribe called quest album with with fife dog right um and this is a death album but but about someone who is not you know imminently near death but it's uh, and, and in part because it is focusing on um a subculture right rather than being purely autobiographical it is and i think we'll discuss this a lot more um anthropological right and it's about an examination of a um of of a scene and a subculture and i i think though and here's my kind of theory on this album and we'll see how these two kind of uh reconcile um and rub uh, rub up against uh, against each other that that it really is anthropological in that it is a focused examination of a culture, but it also is generalizable, right? It is, it is also a work of social science. Um, and so that in also being an examination of, um, of goth music and culture and fashion, um, it also is saying something about the making of, of indie rock, um, and about the kind of mountain goats, uh, project itself, um, at this stage. Um, and, and, you know, after, um, you know, a, and, and, and I think in that way, um, 
dovetails, I think, in interesting ways um, with last week's album, The Magnetic Fields, uh, 50 Song Memoir, um, and approaches a similar topic in a in a slightly uh, different way. Um, and I think that, and we'll talk about this a little bit, the other kind of noteworthy piece of press about this album is that this is, you know, the um, the guitarless Mountain Goats album, right? So that if- No comped vocals, no pitch correction, no guitars. Right, 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 right. Um, I mean, I, I think there's, there's kind of interesting that there's a little bit of a uh, the, the Mountain Goats by this album are kind of the indie rock ship of Theseus, right? Because like the the earliest Mountain Goats recordings were John Darnielle's um, kind of braying voice, um, the guitar, uh, and the pan- the and the and the Panasonic um, cassette recorder and the tape hiss, and one by one, each of those elements have been swapped out, even down to John Darnielle is still the vocalist, but the way that he sings is almost entirely different from how he sang um, even half a dozen epi- uh, uh, half a dozen albums ago, let alone um, at the earliest stage of his career. And so like the, the constant um, is I think the lyrical approach, right. And this, and the, the approach of, of kind of um, the, of songwriting and the perspective, um, but that the instrumentation a lot of recording technique and singing style are very different. Yeah. Um, and so it's, and, and yet it is unmistakably the mountain goats. Right. It's, yeah. And what's it's left the mountain goats, this, the mountain goats now more than ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that, um, and, and it's interesting to think, what is that element? Like, what is that irreducible quality that can't be taken away though? Really everything else in the, in the indie rock ship of Theseus has been, has been swapped out, you know, yeah. um, that, uh, that it's not, uh, I just want to, say that jd has still got it he's still got the the rageful bray uh i you know i saw i probably told this story before on this very podcast but i saw him one of the best shows of my life a couple years ago in la at the mayan theater and he sang no children i think as an encore maybe the end of the maybe the end of the regular set or as uh the end of the first encore um something like that and he uh uh, he kind of gave it a little preface. And actually, you brought up Leonard Cohen before. Leonard Cohen uh, used to say something very uh, very similar. He said, sometimes the spirit doesn't descend uh, and we don't get high. That's how Leonard mm. Cohen put it. Uh, mm. But the way John Darnielle put it, he said, uh, we're going to sing No Children. If you don't know No Children, it's the song where the chorus says, I hope you die. I hope we both die. It's about the, the kind of the bitterest end of a, of a bitter marriage um, in with just so much, so much acrimony and and rage uh and uh he said sometimes you know and he said basically we sing the song uh people like to sing along you can sing along if you want sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't go well uh but we had a great show tonight and i don't think he was pandering it actually really was like there was this weird communion between like the la uh, darn Hill's an la native and the la audience who kind of got local references uh like when he talked about driving on the on uh california uh, Route 60 in one of the songs from Beat the Champ, like that got a huge laugh, and he was like, "Wow, I never thought anyone would get that joke." Anyway, it was a great show. He said, "But tonight we've had a good show, and I'm going to try to summon up all the rage I have within me." And <laughs> he launched into No Children in just a like searing nasal bray. Uh, yeah. Anyway, this yeah. is like this is the kind of I, I like I'm an unapologetic Darnell fanboy. I think Ryan introduced me to him uh, in the mid earlier mid 2000s thousands and uh yeah ever ever since since then i absolutely drank the kool-aid um and and, uh, and, and we're just gonna i mean like now we're not even just drinking the kool-aid we're like in the latter stages of a super bowl and just dumping it over each other's heads <laughs> right like that's where we are right now and this is our this is our you know every new mountain goats album is is there is a super bowl uh, celebration <laughs> right um, yeah so... exactly in the in this sort of like the the homosocial wet t-shirt contest <laughs> of emo <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, of just, of just like you know, of of feelings that don't stop uh, as you get older, right? Like, uh, and and so, uh, and 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 so, uh, if you've not already, pause this podcast. Put on your eyeliner. 
Yeah, and 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 your headphones. This is this is a headphones album, I think. I mean, I think it, there's a lot of ways to enjoy it. Um, but I think that um, in addition to being kind of very kind of keyboard uh, organ driven, there's a lot of really well done both vocal and uh, horn and woodwind arrangements, um, and that they really <laughs> they really sing on the headphones. Um, uh, and so put them on your headphones. Maybe if you. Uh, if you have a record player, get it on vinyl. Put it on vinyl. You know, get it on in every format. It's Listen good. The roads, the roads. I will, I will say, because I am this douchebag. The roads really responds well to a tube amplifier, to vinyl and a tube amplifier, because the warmth of the of the electric piano. And I, you know, I'll, I'll talk about in insufferable detail about the electric piano a little a little later on. But but uh, the warmth really kind of resonates in the uh, in the tubes. Yeah, and so if you want this to resonate in your tubes, let it do so. Um, and uh, join us back here to dive uh, even deeper into Goss after this word from our commercial sponsors. Do you need a fungible commodity with which to settle debts? I, I do. Are you? I, I are, do. Are you? I need to get paid. <laughs> you got to get paid. Yeah, are, but but are you? I'm guessing that you're the sort of man who is ideologically opposed to fiat currency because society is uh, a bullshit, right? I mean, I'm barely okay with Bitcoin. <laughs> well, then let me tell you about cocaine. I've snorted it, but are you saying I could? Pay with it? Yes, you can use cocaine as a commodity. It is a strong sim- stimulant, but it is also a, uh, a strong way of settling debts. Wow. Thanks, cocaine. <laughs> Wait, I already snorted you. Oh, no, I'm broke. <laughs> cocaine, you may be broke, but you feel like the richest man in the world. And we're back. I, I was going to I was going to plug um, Starbucks your unicorn frappuccinos. Oh. Um, if you have developed a high unicorn tolerance, um, then the way to, to to still get that unicorn buzz is through the unicorn frappuccino, um, uh, which is the maybe the least goth, right? If if there are many things that are described on this album that are um, exemplars, uh, and, and it's, it's like a short list for um, you know the award for most gothy um the starbucks you know uh form unicorn frappuccino is the least gothy right this is the starbucks drink if you've not seen it uh on social media uh or around the internet this is a um a a beverage that um uh starbucks has been selling throughout the spring that is um i don't even know what the flavors exactly are but it is pink and purple and blue <laughs> yeah. uh and no, it's something mango something i think it's in, awful i mean just i feel like the the opposite yeah. the op maybe the it's opposite mango, the yeah. flavors are a um, mango syrup and blue drizzle oh there you go oh yeah that, so, that blue drizzle it tastes like blue drizzle um the the maybe the opposite of goth is instagram yeah that's interesting <laughs> well t- let's talk about that okay. i mean right like I mean, let's talk about goth and and, uh, and you know I don't even have a a specific uh, question. I mean, other than <laughs> actually, I do have a question, it, which is, is this a goth record? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think the answer is a qualified yes, um, yeah. because it's but it's more it's more qualified than it is yes in this particular case because it's not a goth rock record. Like yeah. it's. Um, you know, one of the one of the uh, and I can't even remember in all the all the crap I've read about mountain goats over the years. Uh, but one of the most interesting observations I ever read about them is that uh, when John Darniel sings about just the most awful wrenching stuff and his lyrics go into dark places and not like not like artificially dark places, not like bullshit Metallica dark places, but into like actual like men's humanity to man you know difficult uh wrenching emotional experiences uh, shared by all human beings dark places and it's 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 rough going sometimes but when you see him sing live he's always smiling he's mm. always like happy and never you know yeah. and there's like e- even in the like the most um 
Mm, high high levels of affect. It's always there's always like an exuberance uh, to it, and like I think you can hear it in that like almost umpa 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 rhythm of Andrew Eldritch is moving back to Leeds, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is which is about uh, a guy leaving the goth rock scene to go back to the post punk scene, right? It's not an umpa 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 fun, you know what I mean? Like uh, uh, marching beat kind of song uh, in terms of in terms of its subject. matter. So it's I, I think it ends up being ab- about goth by not, you know, by not being by not being goth. Uh, there are a couple of moments that I think are pastiche. There are a couple of of. um yeah, there are a yeah, couple yeah. of instrumentals uh, later on the album. A couple of like bridge instrumentals, maybe in Rage of of Travers. Yeah, uh, there's the one that that's a very like a cure. That sounds like a cure song. Exactly. Right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and that is, I think, like a. I think that that is kind of using the language in order to, yeah. you know, in order to to highlight it. But by and large, that's not the technique of of this album, right? Like, uh, yeah. Right. Anyway. No, I think that's I think that's exactly right. And well, I think that it's amazing as much as there are right depictions for every depiction of right. Um, you know, I mean, that the opening track, uh, Rain in Soho, is also one of the songs that's more sonically gothy. And yeah, the, the, the kind of choir. Right. Evokes some of those kind of tones that one associates with goth rock, even if it like is not um, in the instrumentation um, and that you also in the lyrics, right. That every, in the, um, uh, in, in the verses, every line starts with no, right. And no one, no one knows where the lone wolf sleeps. No one sees the hidden treasure in the castle keep. No one learns the secret name, right. And setting this kind of tone of isolation uh, and exclusion and misunderstanding. Um, but that for every manifestation of that or about the kind of you know wearing wearing black right that you have kind of reformed goths or ex-goths right yes Um, and you know that you have this right you have um the um uh andrew eldridge um eldridge moving back to leeds right you have um in the um the last song that we talked about before that is kind of focused on this kind of forgotten goth band gene loves jezebel um the bridge talks about um right uh says, bands who had to leave the darkness for the sun yeah right um and and it's also there in um, in the song that I was was talking about in, in Unicorn Tolerance, I, I, I puzzled over Unicorn Tolerance um, a little bit. Right. I mean, the key line kind of before the first chorus is try to look hard behind my blackout sunglasses. Um, right. And um, later um, uh, um, he says, um, you know, when the clouds do clear away, get a momentary chance to see the thing I've been trying to beat to death. The soft creature that I used to be, the better animal I used to be, right? Um, and so that this kind of – so as much as – and it's kind of circle back that you were talking about in the opening, right, that I think it's an interesting uh, – you know, by, by being a song about death and by like a culture of um, – especially kind of young people who um, uh, are fixated on death, it also – it, it like it, it is also a, a album about life. And that doesn't mean that it's about everything then by by being about death and life, but that it, it like I think it considers the unsustainability of building a lifestyle yeah. around around death, right? Uh, and so that as a result, by trying to be fixated on death and darkness, you end up um I mean you either end up either you um Right. You either uh, I'm trying to think about how the formulation, but you either it's it's the inverse of 50 cents. Get rich or die trying. Right. You either die goth or you live trying. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, and, and by living, you then you, you then find these um, shades of gray. Right. And, and I think that that's even um, on one of the later songs where he says, 
um, set the what is it? Set the image to grayscale or, or something some, like yeah, that. Something like that. Get the like the spectrum of the grayscale right. It, that looks yeah. really good. I uh, to me, high unicorn tolerance was a song about scene policing. It was a song yeah. about like the anxiety. Yeah. yeah, the anxiety. The because it, like it's and and one of the kind of the ironies of scene of of a scene where like it's based on outsider status, but it also creates outsiders by kind of declaring boundaries uh, for what it is and. And, you know, who's cool enough to who's sort of hardcore enough to to be in it. And if well, you're if you're hardcore, but not hardcore enough to, like, file your actual teeth down right. to, to find points and maybe you don't, uh, you know, maybe you're just not ready to make the commitment. Well, I guess these two these are two songs. Right. So this is Unicorn Tolerance and two songs before the Gripping and the Silver Flame are taking the the costly signals of group membership, right? The 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 things that you don't erase, you know, whether it's you know, um, and 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 engaging in increasingly self destructive behavior, um, and about um, right, like the you know the, the that that's one of several um, songs on this album that has imagery of car crashes, yeah. right? Of um, you know, kind of driving. And and kind of right at the rail, sparks flying, right, um, and kind of like driving your car recklessly against the guardrail, um, right. So one way of not being hardcore enough is not engaging in this body-altering behavior, either through kind of body modification or through you know death, which is the ultimate body modification. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, on unicorn tolerance, it's the the the. It, you know, the the dimension on which you're being seen police is not about kind of current action, but it's about history, right? It's about your um, it's it's about your bona fides and your credentials, right? It's about like that there is basically fall, the fake fake goth credentials, right? Yeah. Um, that that you have you presented a a goth uh, a goth resume, um, but really um, you went to unicorn college. Well, yeah, or, yeah. I feel well, sure. I mean, I feel like it's like when the when the goth Gestapo like searches your belongings, right? Like yes. when they, yeah, when they yeah. shake out your bag on the floor, you know, if there's even one high fantasy novel in there, you're yeah. out, you're out, baby. You know, you're mm-hmm. you're uh, you're not um, you're not coming to the crypt tonight. I mean, one of the ways in which we do it different on the West Coast is that like Los Angeles is such a geographically spread out place that like there are all kinds of of LA locales. Uh, uh, name checked in this, like Long Beach, West Covina, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that these th- these things are um, oh uh, uh, Highland Park, right, which is now mm-hmm. a hipster neighborhood. Um, the uh, one of the most recent um, to uh, do the gentrification, and like these are all you know forty five to seventy five minutes away from one another, right? And kind of the the there's something about the diffuseness of the geography, or just of the, oh. you know what I mean that that kind of makes the scene. It you're almost a little bit, you're almost alone. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you know, you're almost alone kind of moving between these, these concentrated pools of, of gothness rather than like being in the bat cave, you know, it's a different sort of river, right? Like the river goes where the water flows in, uh, rain in, in, um, in Soho, but the, the, um, the rivers of the, you know, uh, you kind of merge into the rivers of the highway and you're sort of diluted in the general flow of, of water with other drops just just like you. And I mean, there's a there's a kind of particular, you know, there's a particular character. And in some of the press for this album, he talks about like uh, not knowing like b- before the Internet, like the kind yeah. of the news was a little patchy from what's mm-hmm. going on. And actually, we, we do it different on the West Coast. It's about like this. Uh, yeah. It's about this. Like it's it has kind of a two. Uh, it has kind of a, a dual character. One is that there's a little bit of anxiety about what the other people are doing and whether that's better, like uh, London, Berlin, but then also like Ohio and Chicago, uh, Long Island, yeah. right? Uh, but then there's also this this pride. And like one of the things that he said was that like, well, the, the sound, the goth sound might have started even a little earlier uh, on the West Coast than it did in, uh, you know, than it did in those places that ended up being the strongholds and kind of um, centers uh, of the scene, like the Batcave in uh, uh 
you know, the Batcave in London, which was like uh, uh, like a set from the Adams family or something like that. Um, that uh, that these uh, the West Coast bands may have may have actually predated them. So the song has this kind of it has this pride and defiance as well as a certain amount of anxiety about whether, you know, whether it's cool enough or or I mean, or or whether you belong, which actually, I mean, that's a, that's an, I, I would say that like, um, that this is a, this is a phenomenon from, um, from older, older age, right? The idea that you kind of stand and survey the cultural landscape and realize that you don't belong there, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, and feel that, that sort of sense of alienation or like, what is this? Or like, I don't really have a place here, you know, um, in a, in a kind of novelty obsessed culture and a a youth, uh, in an, I shouldn't say obsessed in a novelty focused and a youth focused culture, right? Like this is a very, uh, this is an older, this is more of a, a middle aged or old age experience yeah. a little bit. And there's actually a song about that later, you know, later on the record, but it's, but it's possible to have it. It's possible to have that, uh, old dude experience or old woman, those old person experience as a younger person yeah. by, you know what I mean? By feeling like, you know, feeling like the scene might not let you in and kind of wondering if you mm. are, you know, wondering if you're, if you're not cool enough or, or not cool enough anymore, or maybe you never were. You know, something that we talked about uh, in terms of the scene policing, um, and, and, and the light of this kind of comes full circle, is what the first time we talked about the Mountain Goats um, uh, for, I believe, our 100th episode. Yes, sir. Uh, if memory serves correctly, we talked about All Hail West Texas, but we also talked about John Darnielle's um, appearance, the Mountain Goats appearance on the um, AV Club's um, covers video series, and they covered Jawbreaker. Yes. Uh, the Jawbreaker song that has the hook, um, uh, you're not punk and I'm telling everyone. Um, and, and, uh, and I will just recount that like the, um, the, the, the AV club interviewer had a little bit of disbelief about like why the mountain goats, a folk rock band were covering this song. Um, and, and I think that, that, you know, my, you know, I think that like, even now I like this concern about scene placing and the resonance of the, you're not punk and i'm telling everyone is kind of all throughout this album right um and and that this is the you know um and 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 that that kind of concern about group membership um and what that does you know you know to the psyche at various points in time you know um both even being concerned about you know, both not fitting in as a young goth, um, you know, is bad enough. And then you become an old goth uh, and, and it's worse. Um, and, and so that the, it's really kind of, um, an album length, uh, extrapolation of that kind of kernel, um, that was kind of, you know, articulated by jawbreaker and kind of who is, you know, one of the kind of early in, in the kind of formative emo bands and kind of, uh, you know, a band that was actually in the same, um, Berkeley, California scene that the Green Day came out of it that we discussed about when we talked about Dookie, um, you know, that these kinds of concerns about scene policing um, and about kind of insiderness, outsiderness um, kind of reverberate across scenes and across um, epics. And so I, I think that um, this is like this, you know, that goth, I think, I guess here's, here's another kind of question to kind of, you know, dive or kind of pivot is that what makes goth an exp- you know why is this album not called punks um or um <laughs> deadheads um or <laughs> um or or any of the other um subcultures that one um that one could be focusing on what is it about goths that makes it ripe for this and i think we've 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 unpacked some of this but you know what what do you take is especially you know, important about, about what makes goths different from all of the other musical scenes. Why are these, yeah. Why are these goths different from all other, uh, goths? Uh, the, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's something about the fixation on death with Mm -hmm. the, there's something about the morbidity of the kind of the goth ethos, right. Mm -hmm. That, that, that is, um, that, that works paradoxically. Like ultimately when you're talking about, 
about death, you're talking about this sort of one human experience that is universal, you know, and that like it's it's it can be the basis for uh, compassion, for fellow feeling, for you know, um, right, a certain amount of. Uh, 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 identification among people and and yet here it sort of becomes a there's an insistence on kind of like keeping it there's an insistence on keeping it present right like you have to sort of acknowledge death but you have to acknowledge it in a certain way in a kind mm-hmm. of in a kind of preoccupied and like uh in with a kind of preoccupied morbidity that is uh uh uh, sort of unrelenting, right? Like, uh, you know, I don't know, punks, like the, the punks, uh, punk, at least the more kind of socially engaged uh, aspects of punk or, or even the, just the, the, you know, immature sort of exuberant punk, right? And deadheads and, and, you know, a lot of musical scenes are animated by, um, you know, are animated by a, some sort of hope right like by some sort of vision of of the world they want to see even if it's just like a you know a giant uh, uh solipsistic playground right like that at least you know say what you will about it at least it's an ethos right, right. And, and that like the the um the very studied hopelessness uh of the you know of the goths creates a creates a set of contradictions that maps well onto the kind of the set of life, the set of like intractable life contradictions that, uh, that I think are the, the kind of the ultimate subject of this album. Yeah. I think that that's, um, right. And I mean, some of the, and, and then, and again, circling back then to the kind of being goth on the West coast, I think that even intensifies that. Right. And it's the, the lyric that sums that up for me, um, I believe is on stench of the unburied and outside it's 92 degrees and KROQ is playing Susie and the Banshees. Right. Um, right. And, and that's like, right. And, and that it's the, the, this contrast between the, the sunniness of California, um, and, uh, uh, and right, the kind of commercial right KRQ, We talked about KRQ a bit, um, and this is like the kind of alt rock radio station. This before, um, yeah. This is before that. When I mean, it was the new wave radio station, and then it mm-hmm. was like you know KROQ, the rock of the eighties, and then it was alternative, you know, uh, alternative, and really broke a lot of the grunge, uh, you know, a lot of the grunge bands that that were big. But it was always like it was always right on the. I mean, it's a perfect name check because. It was always right on that edge of you know that that sort of barrier, that membrane between what is like underground and what is commercial, or or just coming to light as being you know as being commercial, and really was young, like was super was super young. I once tried playing it in the car, and my mother like couldn't stand more than like two and a half minutes of KROQ, and had to like you know turn it back to you know whatever country <laughs> country am station she liked to listen to um i mean i think that that i i think that the i'm, I'm trying to still make sense of the the contrast of this like um of this hook right of and i do think because like in in la also i guess what is what, you know, in and correct me if I'm wrong, but like you know, if in LA in Southern California, when it's 92 degrees, that means the sun is shining because you're in a desert, right? You know, you like in more humid climates, you could get potentially 92 degrees at night, but this feels daytime, right? Um, and so that this is, and so I, I mean, oh I, yeah, I, the sun is shining, the sky is blue, like it's a brilliant sky, you right. know? Uh, it's like it's it's reflecting off of everything. It's just this balance. It's this. It's just this inescapable jauntiness, right? That just makes you want to slit your wrists. Well, right, and and right, and and because the and and Susie and the Banshees are on uh, um, 
uh, on 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 the right. alt rock radio, yeah. right? Um, and who are kind of among. I mean, we talked about Susie and the Banshees. We talked about Kaleidoscope yeah. um, a while back, right? Um, and I mean, I guess you probably had the experience of listening to um, uh, uh, Susie and the Banshees in Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, in I mean, I'm just going to make an assumption that you were listening to Susie and the Banshees in delightful weather because it's always, as I'm given to understand, delightful weather uh, in uh, in. in in, in Los Angeles. And so it creates that contrast, right? Yeah. That, for that my, sub- I mean, for my generation, it was more like Nirvana. It was more like right. imp- importing the music from the, like the dreary, rainy Northern yeah. city of Seattle down into, uh, uh, down into sunny Los Angeles, um, where it, you know, where it becomes uh, in it, the, like the high intensity becomes like inexplicably peppy, but made, you know, by the, the juxtaposition with the weather. But yeah, that is definitely a thing that happened. I mean, I guess like one thing there, especially in this song, is that it kind of indicates how once you have this this contrast between the music and or the the scene um, and the environment, you see what parts of the uh, like you know darkness are or are not within, right? Because I feel like this is a song um, where the verses set up. Um, and I mean, this is especially from the beginning, right? Incoherent but functional, speeding like a dead comet, um, purple crushed velvet waistcoat, flecked with maylocks and bits of dried vomit. Yeah. Um, and I, and that is great because it's like, you know, uh, the, the sequencing of the maylocks, the flecking of maylocks and the vomit are interesting because like the the maylocks like indicates what kind of a situation you are in. And then the vomit indicates that the, that the Maalox did not work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the Maalox came up first, right? <laughs> right. Right. Cause it was the, um, it was, it was the last, it was the last bandaid. Right. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and it was, it was, it was too little too late. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that, right. This is the, the second, um, um, car crash song, right? Um, and this is, you know, um, the narrator goes on to say, right, still conscious at sunrise for the third time this week. Um, and I think that there's a lot of things about that. I mean, one is, you know, by being still conscious at, uh, at sunrise, that indicates being nocturnal, but then being forced into daylight for some reason or another, um, and not being able to keep functioning. Yeah, there are right? two, right? Yeah, there's again, it kind of goes two ways. One is the, uh, yeah, one is that like I missed my bedtime, I missed my sunrise vampire bedtime, mm-hmm. right? And the and the other way is like I'm so I'm so hardcore, I've been partying all night. You know, and that like uh, it's the length of the it's the length of the of the partying, but also the sense of having kind of overstayed your welcome. It's like those two things uh, in the you know that that combine in the um, <laughs> that combine in the lyric, right? Well, and and they're kind of both of those, right? Because like once at some point, right? And when this goes back to um, the themes about death, like at some part the party has to end, yeah, right? Like no matter, and that's like what's very interesting. Um, like even even if the parties are kind of bummer parties, they're still parties, and and a bummer party, a party that is you know that has the trappings of being focused on death, uh, is still is still living, and and like the the like the real death party is being alone and hungover and delirious, um, and at the end of your rope, which is here and, 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 and suffering through that in the light kind of only, only wanting it to be dark. And you used up all your darkness in trying to feel happy <laughs> or trying to feel something, yeah. um, and, or, or trying to forget some kinds of feelings. And, and then you, and then it becomes light, right. And you, you, for whatever reason, had to get home right you it's like you you weren't able to get your way into a coffin yeah. either either by dying or vampiring right yeah. this is so like this is one of the things that that uh, uh john darnell said in the the album release announcement uh facebook live video which i guess is a thing uh, that we have to contend with these days, right? Um, right they're they're not just for murders, <laughs> though it would be gother if they were. 
right? Um, uh, he said when like he just tossed this off as a sentence. He's like, "This record is about uh, we're releasing a new record. It's about looking into things that you used to spend time with to try to heal yourself when you were kind of doing it on autopilot." Mm. And there's a lot to unpack there. I'm not sure I totally understand everything, um, everything that he's doing. But he says the things you used to spend time with to try to heal yourself. So right, mm-hmm. like the the as you say, like the the feelings you're trying to obscure in the darkness, or the like by you know the the terrors that you're trying to escape by placing a still greater terror at the center of everything that you do. Um, when you were kind of doing it on autopilot. And I, I, I think that speaks to, uh, like, there are a couple of songs on this where it's like, you know, um, in actually in The Stench of the Unburied, it's like he's driving, but he's not totally conscious of driving. And, like, it's a song mm-hmm. about getting pulled over by the cops, right? Like, and, right, right. Uh, and that, like, um, you know, that there is a kind of, there's a, there's a, a compulsive or a... Um, you know, a kind of not a, a kind of unconscious, right? Like quality to a lot of this, to a lot of these coping mechanisms that mm. makes it, um, you know, that makes it all the more, uh, 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 all the more alienating to kind of grow up, wake up and kind of to get the light, to get, to get into the light. Like when you yeah. kind of cross that threshold into the light and actually see what you were doing, see how you were spending your time, see what was going on in your head, see the things that you were participating in or aspiring to right? like, uh, you were kind of doing it on, on autopilot and the consciousness, the, the kind of the, the membrane between consciousness and between unconsciousness and consciousness is, um, uh, you know, is one that you're going to bust through uh, occasionally. Well, it's, it's right there in the end of uh, of that song, right? Follow the flame to freedom, the flickering lights of Armageddon. Find the foot of the land way down in the pit. Keep climbing forever, trying to keep the torch lit. Right, um, and uh, and and that I think is is about both the autopilot and trying to break off of the autopilot, right? Trying to grab the wheel back from the autopilot um, a, a little bit. Um, I think the other line in this that I think is 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 great, and I I like think is kind of. I view it as almost a little bit of a. It's either a little bit of a mountain goat's uh, Easter egg, or a, at the very least, a recurring concern. Is the line in the second verse where he says, um, "Cracks, cracks in the cylinder block," right? Um, and is a formulation that is very, very similar to a line on I think it's Fault Lines from All Hail West Texas, right? Of the I got a cracked engine block, both of us do. Yeah. Right. Um, and this idea of like. And I think this is an interesting one, right, <laughs> where, the, like, the guy is driving a car, and the car is not in good shape, and the car is also a metaphor. <laughs> um, right? And, like, you know, in in, um, in Fault Lines, uh, it's purely kind of metaphorical. And here it is both. It's like, th- like the guy's car is also – is reflective of his life. Yeah. I mean, a couple um, – you know, I mean, a couple things. Like, yeah, these engines – car engines tend to function like this in mountain goats lyrics a lot, right? Like, um, uh, six cylinders under the hood crashing and spinning. Aha. Listen to this engine whine. I'm going to make it through this year. If it kills me, Uh, 900 cc's of raw whining power, no outstanding warrants for my arrest. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there, there it is like no outstanding warrants for my arrest. This song is the opposite of that song, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. like this, the sirens, the, the light, show up in the rearview mirror um mm-hmm. uh behind you right like in that where whereas that one was about the um <laughs> that one was about kind of the open road uh about kind of like going to the line of the horizon yeah, right? yeah. like it was uh, about the pirate's life so both are about puffy shirts in a way right? <laughs> <laughs> right yeah this is the yeah this is the crushed purple velvet pirate's life Right. Right. Um, uh, Yeah. Uh, So, hey, uh, you ever wondered about the difference between a synthesizer and an electric piano? Yeah, hit me. me (laughs) Drop some knowledge. (laughs) Uh, A Fender Rhodes is an electric piano. Um, It 
uh, it actually doesn't plug in. It induces current from the amplifier when you plug a, when you plug the instrument cable into the the quarter inch jack on it. And um, there are actual hammers, uh, little plastic hammers with little rubber. Uh, uh, top, you know, little rubber kind of tips on them. They hit tines that look like a, a straightened out paper clip. Um, you know, the tines are different lengths uh, to produce different pitches. And then there are resonators uh, beneath that vibrate sympathetically at the frequency of the tines to kind of amplify, amplify the sound so that it's not... Um, it's not synthesized, right? It's not made through kind of mathematical processes or through sort of oscillators kind of uh, that add up to a sound. The sound is actually made, right? And the actual, the actual sound is, um, is amplified. So it's not a string instrument like the piano uh, where the hammer strikes a string, but it is, I mean, it is an actual, I mean, there is an actual kind of organic, if you will, process happening inside uh, the Fender Rhodes. And, and like, it actually is a great, I, I have one. It's a great instrument. It's uh, uh, it has so many characters, right? Like with the, the kind of the, like the cheery, it almost sounds like vibraphone or like, mm-hmm. you know, something like that on Andrew Eldritch's moving back to Leeds. And then more in the kind of the mid rangey uh, area, there's a, there's a lot more um, sort of moodiness and kind of fullness. Uh, there's an aspect of kind of like saturation, uh, uh, to it. Um, yeah. Uh, that, you know, that is, that is very interesting. Um, so what are the, yeah. what, what, how do you think that shapes the character of this album? Um, you know, uh, because it, it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, <laughs> that, that, that I, I guess, um, you know, I've always tend to like, uh, yeah, and with some exceptions, the rockiness Mountain Goats songs the best. And whether, whether or not, because even the when it was just the acoustic guitar, um, there was a there's a rocking of the spirit, right? There's a, there's a well, yeah, it's uh, just it's like thrash acoustic guitar. It's just yeah, like, exactly, you know, and like yeah. live live, he he doesn't care so much about whether it's tuned perfectly right. you know right. and that that like there's this sort of there's this fantastic just like the the point is to for the kind of the spirit to descend and for this kind of cathartic experience to happen for performing for performer and audience and kind of like channeling that wave of that wave of energy uh is the i mean is the important thing i mean i think this and, and so yeah, well and i just want to say that i think that like I'd say as the Mountain Ghosts have moved into a kind of more consistent um, studio lineup um, and and a kind of that that uh, and there, there's been some, I think, revolving players that have come and gone on different albums. I think that the the songs and it kind of gets back to the ship of Theseus that I was talking about earlier, where, you know, many of the Mountain Ghost albums from like, let's say about Sunset Tree onward have had, you know, at, you know, at some mix of the, the thrashing, uh, and, and the not thrashing. Um, and, uh, and, and I tend to, you know, the album, the songs I, I like the best are tend to be more thrashy. Uh, and the albums I like the best tend to have the most of that spirit in one way or another, uh, or, and balance it, um, balance it well. I think what is interesting, and I, I would say that many of the last several Mountain Goes albums didn't have enough thrashing for my tastes. What's interesting here is that there's quite little thrashing. Uh, and in part, it's a he's mo- removed thrash opportunity because you can't thrash a, f- a Fender Rhodes, right? Um, you, I mean, and I think you could talk a little bit about technique, um, but th- there is something about what a little bit of what you're talking about of both the technology um, and you know the instrument itself and the mechanics of it and um, the way that it sounds that then integrates in a different way with. Um, the the rest of the ensemble, which and correct me if I'm wrong, um, you read a bit more of the press than I did, is relatively consistent. Um, but that there are also a number of other, uh, as we mentioned earlier, arranging elements of um, especially kind of woodwinds, horns, vocals um, on different songs that 
kind of creates something that is a pretty different whole musically um, and that it hits a it hits a different kind of a set of pleasure centers um and that the um and, and in part that i feel like that and i think there are probably other now good songs in the last um uh, uh, in the last run of albums where there were moments like this, but I really feel that there are these interesting moments of musical discovery here. Even if it's very composed, if it's very written, you, I, I feel that in the music, I feel this sense of collaboration. And I think it's interesting it, for songs, right, that have actually a lot of themes about solitude and isolation uh, and, uh, and, and being kind of cast out um, in one way or another, or being death, the ultimate aloneness, that musically there's a tremendous it's the kind of most kind of collaborative um and 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 kind of ensemble based yeah i think um, i think that if you get too if you get too far into you get into to what's called a fallacy of imitative form right like that when you're when you're representing something that the thing the medium has to take the form of the thing that, that you're you're doing it. And the, the, the best example of this that was ever pointed out to me was pointed out by Harold Bloom, uh, who compared uh, Shakespeare's King John and his King Lear, an early play and a very late play. Um, it, King John kind of goes crazy a little bit, and there is all this disjointed uh, blank verse. It's like, what? Who is the, the, the... And it all scans, but it's all like it's disjointed, and, and it doesn't really do anything it just kind of lays there and then in king lear like he sort of finds this high gorgeous poetry to describe mm. the the disordered mind and the kind mm. of the disordered mm. process of of thinking and like a little bit in in the way we we're talking about like is this a goth album like a, a a little bit by kind of going the other direction in some of the you know in some of the compositional techniques right like um it actually it sort of frees it up to represent not to sort of embody but to represent mm. right the things uh i mean the things that it's talking about like listen i'll tell you i mean like speaking of thrashing right like or or I don't know. Is it? I mean, I, the thrashing is two things. One, it's rhythm, and two, it's intensity, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the a lot of the intensity in this is. Uh, Mm, it's a grower, not a shower a little bit. Like once you, what you kind of have to realize, like there's a, you, you, the abyss opens beneath you and you're like, Oh shit. Right. And that like, uh, so it was really like, especially in the second half of the, the, um, the second half of the record, like it took me longer. Uh, the first half, um, up to unicorn tolerance, uh, let's say, uh, it, it got, uh, it was easier for me to kind of appreciate those right away. And yep. then like six through 12 uh, track six through 12, the kind of the easy listening section, yeah. you know, for, yeah. I mean, yeah. for want of a better word, yeah. uh, well, with the exception of where black, where black was beautiful on the first, on the first listen, but, but um, you know, just, just the kind of the easy listening section was a little bit like, what is this until you realize that the intensity is not in the form of like super huge doses of affect. Uh, it's in the form of a kind of, uh, of a kind of, um, realization or a kind of unsparing, uh, quality to the observation, right? Like that, that, uh, that really nails you when you're, when you are ready for it or, or when you're willing to kind of, to kind of go with it. But in the first half, right? Like I was listening to, we do it different on the West coast and, um, I realized I was kind of like grooving as oh, though, yeah. you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. As, as though yeah. I were listening to like, you know, fat beats from a really good uh, R and B producer or something right. like that. Like, and, and just sick beats and like, and it's just, you know, it's brushes, it's brushes on the snare drum or something like that. And like, yeah. uh, you know, and, and kind of, very spare uh, keyboard figures, but like it's like we do it different on the West Coast. And I was like, you know, I was like doing a little grooving dance in my seat, and I realized, Jesus, I never thought I would groove to uh, to a Mountain Goats album, and there's and, and, and to a Mountain Goats album about goths, right, right, exactly. And and there's your rhythm, right, yeah. and the intensity is what I said, uh, and and when you get that, I think that like it's not. 
it's not a cathartic thrash. It's a, it's a profound thrash, you know, it's a thrash of profundity and that, that, uh, that I think accounts for some of the, the for some of the reason that this is still uh, still satisfying. Despite well and, that, yeah. and, well, and then I think at the macro level, at the level of the album, right? The the rhythm, and you kind of you allude to this. I think that there's a a a long slow thrash of the album, right? Because there's a rhythm of the album uh, uh, in terms yeah. of the sequencing of the tracks and 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 an intensity of the kind of emotional arc of the album, right? Um, and it kind of starts um, in in kind of general. And it's kind of starts general, gets specific, and then gets general again, right? Um, and and that that is, if you think about that, that's like a strum, right? <laughs> um, and it's like if And if you sped it up and repeated it, it's a thrash, right? And I think that part of this, right, um, that that so that you have this arc um, of, I'd say, kind of about, um, you know, maybe from around. Um, it starts getting more specific around strength, stench of the unburied, and then especially kind of painting cocaine, rage of the uh, Travers shelled, and for the Portuguese goth metal bands are about all this kind of areas of kind of whether it's a single character or kind of a set of kind of uh, you know ex goths, um, and then it kind of um, and then I, I view um, abandoned flesh, um, the the Gene loves Jezebel song, um, the last song as this kind of coda, and I think that the, in some ways one of the more most brutal lines in the whole album is uh, where he says. Um, uh, to be fair to Gene Loves Jezebel, Billy Corgan brought them on stage. It was in 2011. It's on their Wikipedia page. Right. <laughs> right? Um, and the, 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 this idea of um, – I mean it's this interesting kind of thing where it's like, well, you know, it was once a time, right? It goes back to um, – uh, the Do It on the West Coast song where you had to seek out um, these bands through the magazines and through the record stores and through visiting Chicago where you hear there's a scene or going um, to, you know, going across the pond, right? Um, and now it's like, oh, yeah, you remember that, uh, remember that Gene Loves Jezebel ba- band? Yeah, it's, they have a, it's on their, check out their Wikipedia page. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, it's about legacy. I mean, it's about real death, right? It's about right. not like romanticized death. It's about like not being remembered or not being valued, you know? Yeah. And this like, this is what death yeah. looks like in the light. Like when the sun rises, you know, yeah. uh, your legacy is not what you imagine it will, uh, not what you imagine it will be, you know? Yeah. And I think that, and, and in that way, I feel like this also in terms of then talking about like, then going even one step more macro and thinking about these kinds of career arc long, um, thrashes. Um, I actually then see a connection between this album um, and especially where this album ends, um, and I'll go back to this uh, this this line again um, because I paraphrased it before. But because the world will never know or understand the suffocated splendor of the once and future goth band, um, and I, I see that that connects all the way back to the best ever death metal band out of Texas, yeah. right? Um, and this idea of that is all about these guys' dreams, right? The, the their dreams of fame. Fortune women of, of right, Learjets. Um, there are very few death metal bands with Learjets, to my knowledge. Um, corre- <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Um, right. And so, and, and even in, and that song also has that kind of, I mean, that, and that's one where the thrash is much more immediate um, because the, um, you know, one of the, the guys gets uh, sent to a, um, you know, like a reform gets, school or something. Reform school, right? Um, and 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 thus hail Satan, right? Um, and here it is much more about the kind of real death of that dream. And you know, even with success, right? Gene loves Jezebel, uh, as he says, right? They charted once or twice. They were on a major label. Um, when the singer went solo, uh, he left money on the table. The two main guys are related. They're at war with each other. Now there's two genes loving Jezebel, one for each brother, right? That, um, in, in kind of real death, it's not even like that, you know, your parents 
cut your dreams short of you cut your dream short, right? You tear your band apart. Um, and you are part of becoming a, a footnote, right? Um, a, a, it's not even just that. And actually I, I'm very curious, um, how long, you know, the, uh, is the, have you been to the Gene loves Jezebel Wikipedia? Oh, page? I, I have, and it's in the show notes for the episode. Uh, is it a long Wikipedia page? It is, is actually. It... It's a it's a reasonably long uh, Wikipedia page. It's like you know they they had a career. I mean they really did. Uh, uh, they did a lot of stuff um, before the uh, before the thing. But the, it's funny. The Mountain Goats is now on the Gene Loves Jezebel Wikipedia page. You know. Huh. Uh, right. Right. So it's becoming recursive, right? Yeah, a little. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I think they like they crowdfunded an album last year or something like that. Huh. Uh, uh, <coughs> yeah. Um, so, so what does it mean to be a once in future goth band? I mean, and I know there's an illusion here, but how, how do you how do you parse the once in future goth band? <laughs> uh, well, it's it's a reference to the once in future king. Right. 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 Uh, the the um the uh uh the king arthur the king arthur thing and that's the uh it's a particular novel from the 20s from like the mid 20th century uh thing and i you know i don't know i don't know oh yeah here wikipedia th white the author of this this novel i i don't totally know why it's that but it it has echoes of like death and resurrection it has death yeah. like uh you know, um, oh, uh, so here's here's Wikipedia. The title comes from the inscription that, according to Sir Thomas Mallory's Le Mort d'Arthur, was written upon King Arthur's tomb. Hic jacet Arthurus, Rex quandem, Rex, uh, Rex quae futurus, uh, King once and King to be. Um, yeah, I mean, so- I think that, I think that, but I think that what is interesting about that formulation, both with the King and Goth Band, it is not now, right? You know, it is once, uh, it is future, um, but it's dead, right? Like yeah. if you are if you are once in future, uh, the other way of putting that is is dead. <laughs> sure, yeah, it's yeah. This is not. I mean, this is not your time. And like in a record with the the idea of kind of finding yourself out of time, like finding yeah. yourself, like finding yourself not. Like uh, like Pat Travers, right? Like yeah. showing up at these goth clubs, wondering why these kids dress like this, you know, right. uh, and uh, saying that no one wants to hear the twelve bar blues from a guy in platform shoes, realizing that you are um, you, you just don't belong, right? Like, right. and not even like you're not cool enough to be in the scene. Like you're you're irrelevant to the scene. Right. You're, you're right. like right. you you don't exist uh, a little bit. You might be. The, the once in future Pat Travers, but you you don't exist right now. Um, it's 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 like life taint, right? Like death death is life taint, right? It taint taint once and it taint future, <laughs> <laughs> right? <Yeah>. It's death. <laughs> um, but it, but it is but it, and this goes back to something I was saying before is that it is. It's interesting that it ends on this idea of once and futureness because that is that's a statement about life, right? And so that it's you know death is being you know um, is being defined in part by reference to life and to to rebirth, right? Um, and and that is it's it it is interesting, right? Because that also indicates that Jean loves Jezebel is more than the sum of its Wikipedia page. Right. Uh, and, um, and the kind of a, a life is a bit more than a kind of, you know, is a bit more than the autopilot, right. Um, is a bit more than just the road that you, that you go down. Um, and, and I think that, I mean, it's a very, it's not a lot of hope necessarily, but it is, um, it definitely does kind of pull, um, and it's there in the, in the instrumentation of, um, of, of that song, is for as bleak as it is, it's also it, it returns to the kind of um, jauntier mode of the first half of the album yeah. um, a bit, um, and and so um, that's it's kind of an interesting uh, return after this kind of sense of kind of being you know lost and you know uh, and and it goes you know again back from kind of 
smaller name kind of, you know, goths of California to the big goths. And even the big goths are no longer goths. Yeah, right? yeah, um, exactly. That real, that kind of go that kind of movement, that kind of like rise and fall or the kind of the yeah. fall and rise of the uh of the hand on the strumming guitar or of the once and future or of the kind of the sun, right? Like uh going down yep. and coming up again tomorrow. Um that this like that this uh god and it all like the, this is something that they said in the pitchfork review and my god were they right like as a songwriter he's untouchable you know yeah like there's no it all hangs together right yeah. like it all thematically uh hangs together while appearing effortless while appearing like almost random observations it's so you know uh, the kind of impressionistic technique of like um, of you know just the kind of the accretion of detail uh, yep. that that a lot of this stuff a lot of this stuff uh, goes in and that's like that's the that's the ethnography aspect right like that's the like it's like a catalog of of uh, 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 costume you know right, right? right like is one of the things that this functions as or of kind of ritual or something like that or of like uh, sacred sites you know, like mm. the Batcave or like the club in Long Beach or whatever, you know, with K-Rock, right? Like uh, uh, that it just, uh, you know, and and it takes a second, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I it, to like to get into it. But but man, once you do this, uh, the the rewards are are. Are so good. once you once you like uh, puncture through that membrane into the next life, yes. you know um, the rewards are the rewards are are good for the those who wear black. Uh, and, and- and well, I think that that is as good of a place to end as any, right? So as, as with life, uh, as with day and night, um, the, the, there is a rise and fall of the podcast, uh, and all podcasts much must die, right? Um, valor, valor podcastists, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, and and so and so we'll end, uh, and and we will uh, we'll, we will we'll, we will keep not just keep going on on autopilot, but we will we will go and end. Um, but we are your once and future TFT podcast, um, and so we will be back. Even though this uh, this podcast is is ending, this episode is ending. Um, but let us know uh, your thoughts on the Mountain Goats, on Goths, on any of these songs. Um, you can hit us up on uh, Twitter at TFT Podcast, on Facebook we're Theory for t- uh, Turntables, and uh, head on over to the show notes on OverthinkingIt.com. Um, if you're not uh, subscribe subscribe on uh, iTunes or in your podcaster catcher of choice um and we are you know we're still uh in contemporary albums um there are a number of big ones on the horizon uh as as may becomes june so um we'll probably be talking about uh some of these um you know talking oh, about God, Ryan, other- what do you think the song of the summer is gonna be what's gonna be the song of the summer uh, you know, probably, uh, yeah, for, for me, it's, uh, it's almost, uh, certainly, uh, wear black, <laughs> <laughs> wear black when right. it's light outside, wear black when there's no light out. Exactly. It's either that or DJ Cal, something by DJ Khaled. <laughs> um, and, and those are the two options because, uh, and, and these are the two sides of the coin, right? Um, you cannot have DJ Khaled without John Darnell <laughs> and you cannot have Don John Darnell, uh, without, uh, without DJ Khaled. You cannot have uh, goth without pop, uh, and pop without goth. Uh, and, uh, and all of these, uh, all of these snakes keep eating their tails. Um, and we will, as we keep riding them uh, endlessly from day into night, you just can be very certain that we will be keeping it real.